Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for a new week of the Daily Optimist. It is Monday of the new week. The weekend brought us stories of uh, disappointment with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Um, it brought us some fun with football and basketball playoffs and baseball. If you're into sports, it brought us some uh, um, more protests wherever you're at. It brought some interesting speaking from Donald Trump um, where he kind of moved into more fascism talk, um, telling people that they have good genes, interestingly. Um, so it's 2020 still, and there is still COVID, and the CDC is now changing up their their uh, guidelines again because they we continue to learn more. They continue to learn more about the virus. It is uh, the longest 2020 of my life, the only 2020 of my life. I get it, but uh, it is quite the long year. It uh, seems like it's never-ending, but uh, we can still find positive things for it and in it. Okay, but today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm just going to talk about RBG herself, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and what she actually meant to um, this country in particular, but she, what she meant to the world in terms of how important she was for uh, equal rights for women. So I'm just going to talk about some of her most important um, moments or things of her life, if you will. And then uh, I'm just going to finish with a quote today. Well, your step is going to be with your quote, so it's going to be just slightly different than normal. but. Still, we'll finish up with positivity at the end. Okay? Alright, here we go. Let's get into it. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. Alright, so like I said today, what I'm really going to do is just talk about the importance of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Um, may she rest in peace. So, if you don't know RBG, um, you're not alone. Unfortunately, not all Supreme Court justices are paid attention to. Um, but if you do live in the U.S., Sometimes it's important to pay attention to who they are and the kinds of things they do, um, the kind of decisions they help to make. It can also be interesting worldwide because um, these people can be inspirational for what they fight for and what they believe. Um, so I know RBG is a great role model for um, not just women, because she was a woman, 
but great role model for everybody because she fought for what she believed in since she was a child. Um, so let's uh, let's get into a little bit about uh, who she was. All right. So, like I said, she was a Supreme Court nominee, but that's not where she started. She did wasn't born and then put on the Supreme Court. She worked hard. And, you know, she faced obstacles when she was young. Um, you know, she saw her mother face obstacles when when um, she was a child because her mother was, um, you know, a, a woman and life for women was different than it is now. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, she lost her mother at a young age before she graduated from high school. But uh, that didn't stop her from having, you know, full praise of her mother for, for what her mother had done for her. Um, when she was nominated to the Supreme Court, she gave one last thank you to her mother, and she said, um, I have a last thank you. It's to my mother. My mother was the bravest, strongest person I have ever known, who was taken from me much too soon. I pray that I may be all that she would have been had she lived in an age when women women could aspire and achieve daughters um, could achieve and daughters are cherished as much as sons. All right, so that gives you a little insight to to what she her mindset. Um, going forward um, it wasn't easy to get to where she was she had to fight for everything and um, you know when she got married her husband was uh, drafted and they moved to Oklahoma Fort Sill in Oklahoma where you know he um, uh, fulfilled his uh, army reserve and she took a job. Um, she took the civil service exam and qualified to be a claims adjuster. But um, then she mentioned that she was pregnant. Um, and what they did then was they her civil ranking was reduced. And her title and her pay were all reduced. And this is all because she was a pregnant woman. Um... Yeah. So then when she went to Rutgers, um, as when she was a professor at Rutgers University, this is years later, and she was pregnant again, she concealed that fact for obvious reasons that we just went through. But um, in 1956, she was also one of nine female students at Harvard Law School. Um, so a the dean at the time... He hosted a dinner for women. Um, his name was Erwin Griswold, and he, at the end of the meal, it is said that he's. <clears throat> it is stated that he said uh, to go around and share with all, all these women to share how it was they justified taking a spot that otherwise would have gone to a man. Um, when years later, when you know students would recount this, he insisted that it had all been in good fun. So that's kind of the, some of the other things she had to deal with. Um, she was first in her class for, and when she transferred from Harvard, Harvard to Columbia. She graduated top of her class, but she still had a hard time getting jobs. Um, 
and she had amazing recommendations from her professors, but uh, they didn't help her to secure a clerkship with a federal judge. Finally, she did with a, a man named Edmund Palmieri, but only after one of her mentors threatened to stop sending clerks uh, his way if he turned her down. Um, there's even when she was uh, working with Palmieri and a uh, famous judge and legal philosopher named Learned Hand, he rejected her also, but uh, he, he claimed that he was rejecting her because he didn't want to be swearing in front of a woman and, and he didn't want to have to alter his speech. So there's a story of them riding in a car together and he's swearing and she asked why he felt that he could swear like a sailor in front of her, um, in front of her even though he had turned her down saying he didn't want to have to clean up his act. And he said, young lady, I'm not looking at you. And just continued looking straight ahead uh, at the windshield. And she says it was as if she was not even there. All right. Moving through her life, her and her husband, they were um, equals in their marriage. Uh, he was sickly. And during the time he was sick, she took care of everything while, um, you know, still going to school yeah, taking care of you know the da their daughter at the time, and you know when when he was healthy, and um, you know she was moving up in her career, he started to take over um, the housework and the, the child uh, re rearing, if you will. He made sure that it was dinner on the table for the two kids, and he would sometimes even have to get her out of the office at late at night to make sure she ate a proper meal. Um, and he would, you know, bake birthday cakes for clerk celebrations. And then uh, after he passed, the Supreme Court Histor Historical Society published a book of his recipes titled Chef Supreme. So there you go. Um, and he said before his death, he reportedly told a friend, I think the most important thing I have done is enable Ruth to do what she has done. So he was there to help her. And that's a, a great relationship. Um, so she was also considered the Thurgood Marshall of the women's movement. If you know Thurgood Marshall, he fought for um, African-American civil rights. And she fought equally for uh, women's rights. Um, you know, in the 70s, she, she was famous for saying not all fe feminist issues should be litigated now because some are losers given the current political climate and could set back our efforts to develop favorable law. Um, but she kept fighting in different ways and eventually, you know, she was able to make some real movement. Um, she all, even chose cases that were for men, if you will. Um, one in particular was about a widower who needed, who was looking to, you know, be entitled to a Florida tax exemption that was granted only to widows. Um, and then there was a widower whose school teacher wife had, um, passed away, but she was the family's primary, um, breadwinner, if you will. But he could not collect social security, uh, survivor's benefits, um, because they were only given to widows, but she fought for that. And, um, eventually, you know, they 
won the case and he was able to stay at home with his son until his son was old enough to go to school full time. Um, and they actually ended up becoming friends, um, the two of them, and they remained friends uh, for for years. And I don't I don't know if he was still alive um, now, but she even officiated the son's wedding in 1998 and his uh, the father's remarriage in 2014. Um, her and Sandra Day O'Connor were had great admiration for each other and loved their time together on the Supreme Court. Sandra Day O'Connor was the first uh, woman to serve, and then RBG is the second. They even wore shirts that uh, that said, I'm Ruth, not Sandra. That's what her Ruth's shirt said. And Sandra said, I'm Sandra, not Ruth. They loved working together. They admired one another. They, they um, you know, they even cited each other's work and why it was important and to two cases they uh, individually worked on. Um, and, you know, when she uh, Ruth had said when Sandra retired, it was the worst times because from 2006 to 2009, she was the only uh, woman on there until Sonia Sotomayor's appointment in 2009. Um, and she said, Ruth said, the image to the public entering the courtroom was eight men of a certain size and then this little woman sitting off to the side. This was not a good image for the public to see. Um, but now, she says, with three of us on the bench, I'm no longer lonely and my newest colleagues are no shrinking violets. Um, and then somebody asked her at what point would there be enough women on the court? And she replied, when there are nine, there'd been nine men and no one's ever raised a question about that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she was also known as a, um, great dissenter who would, you know, uh, make people really think and speak up to her conservative colleagues when they had arrived at a decision she believed to be re regressive. And she would, um, as it is said, that she would plant seeds of social progress. Um, so instead of them thinking backwards, it would make them have to think forwards. So those, those are great. Uh, we all know her for the the collars that she wore. Um, but her and Sandra Day O'Connor decided that they would use those to carve out a visual space of their own. Um, because the, the, the robes were made for men, but um, they wanted to make a statement as well. So um, they would use two collars. Uh, Ginsburg would use two collars. Uh, one, the lace collar featuring gold trim and charms, a gift from one of her former clerks, served as her majority opinion collar. While a mirrored bib necklace, she was gifted at um, Glamour's 2012 Women of the Year Awards, is what she wore when her side had come up short. And she said, it looks fitting for descent. <laughs> um... She was actually really good friends with Antonin uh, Scalia, who was a very conservative judge. They both pushed each other hard, had a, a great mutual respect for one another, um, learned from each other, recognized how they made each other better. 
and they also both really loved opera okay and there is uh, a, a great love for opera f from Ruth herself and he really loved opera as well um, she was a, a fighter uh, we know that and physically you know she was training even as we saw in the um, documentary about her where she was really training doing push-ups uh, you know, she would regularly do more than 20 push-ups when she would work out, which is not not that easy. Even if you do work out, you still gotta have some strength. Uh, and we know that, uh, she has been battling the pancre pancreatic cancer in, at the beginning of this year, she was cancer-free. It came back, um, in 99, she had colon cancer which are, you know, surgery, chemotherapy, radiation therapy. Um, she didn't miss any time on the bench. Um, 2009, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, she had a heart operation in 2014. And in 2018, um, fractured ribs after it. But she never stopped. Um, she kept going. And um, in 2014, in an interview, she said, As long as I can do the job full steam, I will stay here. I think I will know when I am no longer able to think as lucidly, to remember as well, to write as fast. I was number one last term in the speed with which opinions came down. My average from the day of argument to the day the decision was released was 60 days, ahead of the chief by some six days. So she was determined, strong, important, and she will be missed. All right. We appreciate her. And uh, I'm going to give you your step for the day and your quote for the day in just a moment. So for your step of the day today, it is going to be just keep, I guess, fighting is the word. Um, I, I've done this, I know, before about just keep pushing forward, but um, I think today it's really important to remember that, you know, this, this woman had... Um, gone through so much she had fought for so long she was always a reminder of how important it was to fight for what you believed in um i you know she does not want you to give up because she never did so you know there's um people saying precisely that kind of thing don't give up because she doesn't want you know she never gave up so you can't either and I'm really just going to echo that today um, I'm just going to echo that that you have to keep fighting for the things that you want in your life the things that you believe in um, yeah I know some days it can be harder than other days 
but uh, you have time to rest but resting doesn't mean stopping it just means taking a minute to recover and then getting back to work alright take take some time if you need it and then get back out there and I'm gonna come back in just a moment and give you an RBG quote for the day So your quote for the day is going to come again from RBG. Alright. And here is her quote. Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. One more time. Fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. So the fight is important, but it's not important if you are a jerk about it, if you push people aside, if you run people over, if you forget about people. You're not going to be able to get other people to be inspired by your fight and to fight with you. So like she says, you want others to join you. So lead in a way that they want to lead with, with poise, with grace, with humility, with uh, understanding, with knowledge, with um, strength, with resolve, with empathy. Lead with positive qualities that make other people go, yes, I, I appreciate this person I appreciate what they're trying to do and I will fight with them because when you get others to fight with you that's when you can make some true change not if you're just fighting everybody by yourself especially if you're looking to change a system you need people who are willing to work with you so lead those people use positive positive traits okay to lead on. Thank you very much, everybody, for joining me for this episode of The Daily Optimist. Change from typical episode, but I thought it was extremely important. I hope you feel that way, too. As always, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook at The Daily Optimist, on Facebook at The Daily Optimist, on Instagram and Twitter at The Daily Optpod, at The Daily O-P-T-P-O-D. You can email me. I am the daily optimist at yahoo.com the daily optimist at yahoo.com i would love for you to rate subscribe and share rate so that other people can find it subscribe so you never miss it and share with anybody who needs a little optimism and positivity in their day thank you very much everybody and until next time please be well <laughs>